Are you fed up with printing exercise programmes? Or horror, drawing them? Solve every exercise prescription issue you can think of using Rehab My Patient. Thousands of pictures and videos of every movement you can dream up. Send by email or WhatsApp, translate into different languages at the click of a button. Don't take our word for it. Sign up for a three-month free trial now. Just go to rehabmypatient.com forward slash physiomatters. Emily Kramer Throckmorton, welcome to Chewing It Over. What is an inclusive fitness coach? Well, uh, to start things off, um, I, I would say an inclusive fitness coach is someone that can handle any athlete that walks or rolls into their facility. I think that a lot of times coaches get stuck in working with, you know, a clientele that they're really good at working with. And then they get very uncomfortable as soon as somebody comes in that may be outside of their comfort zone. So more so spinal cord injuries, amputees, stroke survivors, uh, neuromuscular diseases, um, anything that is outside of the, the, the norm, which is an able-bodied athlete like you or I. Um, and I think that an inclusive fitness coach is someone that can see this athlete come in and think, this is not a big deal. I can coach them up. I can, I can make them feel better. I can help them regain their strength and independence and not feel overwhelmed by that individual. So, um, we here in, in, I live in Virginia beach, Virginia. Um, we help coach athletes that have long-term physical and traumatic impairments, but we also help coach other coaches that come in and they don't know how to work with these athletes. Um, and so I, I feel very proud in being able to work with coaches who feel uncomfortable with this clientele and also adaptive athletes. Gotcha. Now, because that, that's a, a title you clearly use as a, as a job title, that, that's the, why I asked the question. Is it, in, yeah. is it implicit to that, that therefore you feel that most people, for whatever reason, aren't inclusive fitness coaches they might be fitness coaches but are they truly inclusive is that you kind of what is implicit within that using of that that moniker basically obviously gets thrown around a lot of times nowadays with a handful of different things inclusive to us just means simply hey can you come in and and do what everybody else is doing it might look a little bit different but ultimately they're doing the same workout as you or i and i think that's so important to make people feel part of something instead of putting them in the corner and you know you can't be with the rest of the class because I have to accommodate you separately I think that there's so there's so many coaches out there that need education on how to work with these athletes because ultimately the movements the movement patterns uh uh the the body that we're or different joints that we're trying to use are all the same it just looks different could you tell me a little bit about how your careers emerged then and, and, and what you've done for taking this uh, philosophy and mindset um into organizations uh, such as yours? So uh, I would say in about, um, you know, in 2016, we opened up a CrossFit affiliate and that was kind of the beginning of my strength and conditioning coaching career. And I always knew that I had a niche for working with athletes that had acute injuries or long-term injuries that came into the gym. Um, I pride myself in uh, being able to work with any athlete that comes in because you know, a lot of times, the majority of the athletes, they find an excuse to not come in. So if they, you know, 
tear their their ACL or if they sprain an ankle, whatever it is, they're always looking for an excuse to, oh, you know, I'll just wait until my time frame is over until I've healed and then I'll come back to the gym. And so from very early on, I knew that these athletes could still continue to participate in classes or one-on-one sessions, whatever it was, they could still get a good workout in. Um, and so from early on, um, you know, 2018, I started my own gym, which is now Kaizen Athletics. And we're located here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And um, I've had Kaizen Athletics since 2018, and now we're 2024, and I feel like we're we're truly thriving and growing. Uh, within our gym, we have a nonprofit organization called Kaizen Adaptive Training, and that started in 2020. And with that is basically a 501c3 that I created, I founded so that athletes that had long-term physical or traumatic impairments could come into the facility free of charge and get an hour of functional fitness training Monday through Thursday. And it's been truly an incredible thing to watch. Uh, my first athlete, my first adaptive athlete was a Marine Corps officer and he had a spinal cord injury, came to us unable to do most activities of daily living. And fast forward to today, he's able to do box step-ups on his own. He squats on his own. He has a mobility dog for most of his things that he needs from, you know, a day-to-day -day standpoint. Um, but ultimately that was kind of how I got my foot in the door with veterans, wounded warriors, uh, a lot of local organizations. I got my foot in the door with physical therapy departments, with hospitals. They all started to believe in what we were doing and watching these athletes regain their strength and independence. They trusted us to where now they send us their patients. So four years later into having this program inside of our facility, we have about 40 plus adaptive athletes that come in each week and um, they're doing, um, you know, metabolic conditioning workouts, they're doing strength work, they're doing mobility, they're doing flexibility, they're doing all the things that are needed to be a functional individual in society. But yes, they might have a spinal cord injury, they might have be a stroke survivor, they might um, have an amputation of some sort. Um, and so to watch that kind of grow within our gym has been, I mean, just incredible to watch. I, I feel very proud of it. Yeah, uh, so you should. Yeah, be. Oh, that sounds that sounds great. How forthcoming have the healthcare community been, physical therapy community been for for things like this? So there's definitely a, a gap in the system, as you probably know too. That um, once you're kind of done with physical therapy or occupational therapy or in the healthcare world in some capacity, you're kind of on your own at that point. They say, okay, you're done with PT or OT. And it's like, well, what's next? You know, especially if you're a sports driven athlete and now you're in a wheelchair, it's like, you know, you need more out of life. And so for, for our surrounding healthcare professionals, they trust us enough to send their patients to us. And they understand the importance of, of being able to be strong or fit or healthy. And so to have their patients come to us is, is a huge thing for us. Um, but not only did I, I kind of expected them to not be on our side. I kind of expected them to say like, Hey, maybe you're out of your lane or you're out of your scope of practice, but instead they've been the complete opposite to where they trust us to see the, the benefits in this for these athletes. Um, and so I would say we've had nothing but positive 
reinforcement from from the healthcare professionals, which has been huge. No, that's great news. I'm really pleased to hear that. I think that when I when I start to apply some of these principles, we we said just briefly off air that um, we'd be struggling to find things that we you and I disagree on, especially in this conceptual theory and applying these sorts of adaptive principles. We work with with amputees and um, and certainly less neuro, so we don't do as much with regards to post-stroke, but you get sometimes stroke with MSK conditions, of course, associated. So we're always looking to adapt. Now, one of the push, one of the things that we get in schools of thought within physiotherapy or within healthcare at large is that some people are so obsessively pro-symmetry or pro-optimized biomechanics in a, as sort of purists that then think that the body is a machine that then if it was to be moving faulty, then um, you would then, that would be, a precursor to injury there are schools of thought within that that suggest that the body isn't particularly adaptive now that obviously isn't my school of thought but it's something that those i imagine and i've experienced are sometimes resistant to adapted training because they think it's only going to fuel further dysfunction or it's going to cause injuries elsewhere have you had any concern or, or interactions to that effect or have you just managed to sort of just work with the positive folk yeah, um, you know, I think it's definitely been a trial and error with our program. And and I use that because I think that that goes to science, to the medical field, to everything that we do. It's always, hey, let's try this. If it doesn't work, let's try something else. And that's how we all evolve in, in reality. Um, and so for our program, you know, if I want a stimulus from this adaptive athlete, it may look a little bit different, um, you know, whether that's a spinal cord injury and let's say the workout, we wanted to do air squats. You know, obviously we're not going to have a spinal cord injury do air squats, but they can do sit to stands or they can do dips, which is just moving the center of gravity. Um, and so I think what you have to do is understand that it's going to look so different. Um, and as far as, you know, some contraindications go, I think the only thing that we've learned in the past is, you know, especially working with, um, like an MS patient, for instance, um, mm -hmm. if I were to have him come in, him or she, and we do a lot of resistance training or strength training, unfortunately their bodies do not repair. So that just breaks down their bodies even more. So there's someone that I would be more focused on just mobility work, flexibility, making sure that they're up and moving for the day. But for the rest of the population that is in this adaptive sphere, I would say we like to push the envelope just a little bit, and especially if they're previously and, you know, maybe before their incident or their accident, they were very sports driven. They want to be pushed. They want to do barbells again. They want to do you know, any sort of strength training again, or metabolic conditioning again. And so you have to be able to find that stimulus. Um, do you come up with ways to, you know, make sure that we don't have any overuse injuries? That's a big thing for us as well. Um, if I just do presses every single day for a wheelchair user, because they can't use their legs, well, that's going to cause an overuse injury. So that goes back to having the education you need to work with this population is you have to be smart with your programming so that you don't hurt these athletes further. Um, but for us and our program and what we're doing here, 
you know, thank, thank God and, and knock on wood, we have had no re, you know, injuries pop up for these athletes, um, because of our smart programming and the, and the way that we handle our athletes. Um, and I think the missing piece from most of these athletes is mobility. So soft tissue work, you know, we do a lot of stuff of getting out of their chairs, getting them on the floors, you know, using the cross balls and foam rollers and really making sure that we're working on like that parasympathetic system that if they're very stressed when they come in here, we got to make sure that we can get them to a less stress place before we start their training for the day. So you have to be like very particular and strategic with how you program for these athletes. Um, and I think that's, that's a missing part as well. Um, but you know, Yes. When these athletes come into our doors, it's probably, you know, the, the, uh, very stressful for me. It's like the, the most stressful hour of my day, because, you know, it's a whole hour that I have with maybe six adaptive athletes that I have to make sure, you know, nothing happens to them. They're very safe and they're efficient and they're effective during their workout. So, you know, I think it comes down to programming and if, and if an adaptive coach is not able to program efficiently for these athletes, yes, you could have, um, some reoccurring injuries. Sure. And then, uh, yeah, if anyone's struggling, then that's where they need to come to you for that, that education. Yeah. Uh, how do you nest the sort of charity and nonprofit work within your existing business? Just give me the sort of operational mechanics of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we do a lot of fundraising, uh, a lot of grants that we um, apply for. And, you know, the funny thing is, is back in the day in 2020, when I started this program, I was not at all interested in really the, the, the money side of things. Um, I just thought, you know, Hey, if somebody, you know, buys a t-shirt, I'll put it towards the program, but mostly my bread and butter is from my small group training throughout the day at my gym. So that's, you know, my able-bodied athletes that I have six classes for a day, and that's going to be, you know, where I keep my lights on. That's how I get my business thriving. Um, but as these years have gone, have gone on, watching this nonprofit, people want to donate to this. Um, so we've had an amazing amount of donors and fundraising events that we have raised enough money to where we're buying extra equipment and modalities these athletes may need. And also it goes towards their scholarship. So now these athletes don't pay anything to come in here Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday. It's completely free for them. And that's typically unheard of um, in most adaptive programs out there um, aren't necessarily that way. You're going to pay, or you have insurance that pays for you to go to that, that class. Um, but for us, you know, the, the community has come, come forward and they really want to make sure that these athletes get the best. Um, so that scholarship money and then the equipment, and we've been very proud of that. Yeah. Superb. And how well do you feel that that would scale beyond your walls then? Um, is it sort of the, the, the things that those that are developing, based on your education and, and and obviously hearing about it through various different channels um, is the intention for them to be able to take on a model for this to proliferate, or is it something that you have in, in specific intention to expand it within, within your own sort of jurisdiction? Yeah. So of course we're always looking to expand our four walls here and grow the program here and, and, and hopefully down the road, be able to, uh, have more classes available throughout the day for them. Um, I am seven months pregnant, so I'm trying to, uh, with our, with our very first, so, which is very exciting, but, um, you know, we're trying to 
you know, make everything work appropriately to that. Um, now, the, the best thing that I've had with our program here is we have physical therapy students, we have med students, and we have community members that come into our program every day and they volunteer their time. And so the idea is I'm going to grow my program and then I've educated these volunteers. I've put them through my Kaizen Adaptive Coach course which is an in-person course, or we have an online version. And basically I'll be able to pay them to coach that hour class so that maybe I can start building more class times, um, which is the ultimate goal, right? We want to be able to, the, the owner or CEO or founder should always be able to take a step back and, and, you know, let other individuals learn and grow and, and build the program. Um, but as far as a global standpoint, we are reaching people all over the world, you know, individuals like yourself or people in other countries, Brazil, Chile, like all these places that I would never in a million years imagine them following us or seeing our social media. And they're sending us messages saying, oh, thank you so much for this content. We are, you know, now being able to do X, Y, and Z with these athletes or, you know, an ind individual who've had an injury of some sort they're messaging me saying, thank you so much for this. Um, you know, I'm able to do pull-ups again, you know, all of these different things. And so we decided to start an affiliate program where basically if a gym in another country or a different state wanted to start their own adaptive program, we would give them basically an entire handbook on how to start the program. They would obviously have our name involved in it as well. And then we would give them all of the information they would need to start that program, to grow it, to thrive, and um, how they can kind of get their foot in the door with uh, different healthcare professionals who would send different athletes their way. Um, so that's kind of how we see it growing from a global standpoint, um, but, you know, taking it day by day. Of course. Yeah. It's always yeah. Uh, one step at a time with that, but it's exciting because I can, the reason I ask is because I can see it scaling very well, but I know that people are sometimes a bit thrown by the risk assessment elements they feel like it's something that they um don't know how to get going usually mm -hmm. you know whenever i've done even small parts of what you're describing they often realize that the water isn't that cold and that fundamentally they were making more of it than yeah. they should have done um and we've we have that even from we've got musculoskeletal clinics that that won't see amputees and i've used to Sometimes they think it was a scope of practice thing for them just within their own expertise over the you know, stunt management, et cetera. But when you fund, when it came down to it and there was no acute needs, no wound needs, et cetera, it was, it was that they didn't necessarily have the rehab creativity or felt comfortable within their facility or accessible elements within their facility. And that once you break down some of those barriers, they, it has really revolutionized their mindset. And I think that Something that I, I noticed first when I was working with sort of Paralympic athletes is that it really helps to broaden the minds of healthcare professionals as to what is possible and to stop them overly shaping things to be sort of um, too normative and too ableistic with their thinking mm -hmm. because they start to recognize that these are just functional challenges that they would adapt around easily if it was an acute ankle sprain and that fundamentally those adaptations and that style of rehab can absolutely be applied regardless of often completely regardless of what impairment someone might have. And that the principle of overload and adaptation is exactly the sort of thing that these, these people need. You, you made a good point about um, MS or other neurodegenerative conditions of which, you know, that, that where you've got uh, the, the stimulus would be uh, 
would deteriorate a particular problem mm-hmm. rather than accelerate it. But even that, I mean, what, what is what is quality sort of therapy or training or coaching if it's not to tailor to individual needs? Um, if someone's completely run down and worn down, then we know that we've got to back it off. And so if that was happening conti- continuously, then that's the principle of adaptation. So it's it's exciting. I can see it proliferating really well. And I'm, I'm pleased to hear that you've got um, an affiliate scheme of which people can mm-hmm. get get involved in what has been the what would you say i've named a few speculative challenges there of course you know that that, that i can imagine uh but g- can you give me an insight into what have been the sort of primary barriers if you've encountered any as far as like long-term impairments that come in yeah yeah um so i would say when we first started um i i thought my bread and butter would be amputees I, I thought, um, you know, and, and I had the privilege of working out with a handful of wounded warriors who were um, mostly amputees and they were doing the same workout as me. And that's kind of how this all evolved as I watched these guys doing things. They were deadlifting and box jumps. You know, they were doing all of these things with me. And that's kind of when it sparked my interest to be like, these guys are incredible. You know, they have a one gentleman had a below knee amputation and he had a blade on and he was running next to me. And there was that no excuse mentality of, you know, you you show up, you do the work, you don't complain. And then, you know, ultimately you live a healthier, happier life. Um, and so when I when I decided to start Kaizen Adaptive Training, it was mostly amputees that I was, you know, really gung ho about. I felt very confident and, and comfortable working with these individuals. Um, and I think a lot of times ind- individuals or coaches see amputees as, you know, a very uncomfortable conversation to have, you know, oh, what happened with you? Or, you know, they they don't know how to speak anymore. They don't know how to have a conversation about, about hey, just tell me what happened, you know, and to making that part of our program, I, I thought for sure amputees would be exactly where I was headed with this. Um, and then fast forward today, it's mostly spinal cord injuries who are all wheelchair um, users for the most part. Um, and I would say f- most of my spinal cord injury athletes are tetraplegics. So they have limited grip, they have limited hand function, but they use grip aids to hold onto barbells or to dumbbells. And um, we've been able to overcome that completely. Um, and we use a lot of conditioning modalities like, you know, the echo bike or concept Two skiers. We use a lot of those and their hands are able to grip into those implements just fine with these grip aids from active hands is, is the name of the company. Um, so yes, it's, it's come a long way and it's more so finding the niche as far as, you know, where you feel comfortable working with these athletes. Um, but for us, you know, we have a university close to us. It's called Old Dominion. And uh, it's a college where they do a lot of physical therapy. And their their main um, individual or client that they work with are spinal cord injuries. So once I started working with one and two, it was all word of mouth. And now the head of the neuro department, she's sending all of her patients to us and we're working with those spinal cord injuries. Um, now, with that being said, is we we have a lot of stroke survivors as well brain cancer survivors. Um, and you know, that's been such a huge thing for me to witness is with the stroke survivors, they might have left side paralysis or right side paralysis. Most of mine are left side paralysis, but also from a, a mental standpoint, the memory of these athletes is very, is very short. 
So you can say, Hey, I want you to go on the bike. We're going to do, you know, a thousand meters there. And then you're going to come off and the time they've got to the bike, they've already forgotten. And so that can also play a challenging role as far as, you know, a coach's ability to be patient, to be understanding and uh, to work with these athletes. But what I've noticed is with these stroke survivors is the more that they come in, the better their memory is the better they're able to recall things and the better it is for them to go do a task efficiently and effectively. Um, I had an athlete who's a stroke survivor. He took off two weeks because of holiday. And when he came in yesterday, it was as though he hadn't been in for two months. He had, he, he wasn't, he wasn't able to follow directions as directions as well. And he was confused easily. So, you know, that just ties into the mental health aspect of functional fitness training and community and, and everything that goes with this is so tied to an individual's mental health. And also, you know, with an, an adaptive athlete that is either a spinal cord injury or an amputee, you and I both know that when, whenever you and I were to get injured or they're injured, they, they go into a very dark place, depression, anxiety, all of those things. But then when they have an outlet, they're able to, you know, spark that energy, spark that life in them again to feel better. And I think that that's that missing link that we're we're all missing as well. A couple of years ago, we were the physio and therapies provider for the Arnold Sports Festival when it came to the UK. And there was a disabled strongman competition within mm -hmm. that exhibition. And it was they something really stuck out to me was one of the athletes we were working with and adapting some rehab for said that when they became injured, this case, he was an amputee, lower limb, above knee, people suddenly started talking only about his mental strength and resilience and how brave he'd been rather than his physical strength when there was no reason why with some adaptation he couldn't do that. But it took for mm -hmm. him to get into sort of disabled strongman and to, to work with people that were willing to help just lean into what he could do rather than what he couldn't anymore to become yeah. that. And he's don't know if he's ever got a world title, but certainly got a couple of British titles at that point under his belt in, in that growing scene and the amazing feats of strength um, of which, uh, you know, they were lifting half a ton seated deadlifts. Um, That's and incredible. It was unbelievable. So the, but the, the definitely stuck in my mind what he said that people, yeah. they, they considered him strong, but it was always the metaphor for strong rather yeah. than the physical act of it now, whereas there was no need for it to be either or. Um, and the, and especially with regards to sort of straps and other adaptive kit is, is, is fascinating. So it's, mm -hmm. it's one of the things you just need to, to, to learn, to know about existing, to do the right Googling, to know who to ask. And, and obviously you're yeah. a, a great opportunity for people to, to get in touch with you uh, and your yeah. company to try and expand their knowledge and insights into that. Can you tell us a little bit more about how people could get involved with, with you then and, uh, and to educate themselves in that direction? Yeah, so we have an online platform. It's uh, kaizenadaptivetraining.org. And basically that's a, a great way for individuals who are either coaches, healthcare providers, or just you know anyone in the community that wants to further their education. We have different protocols on our website so that if you know you just wanted to work with an, you know, a, a neuro athlete or a neuromuscular or an amputee. Uh, whatever it is, we have different protocols for those athletes. Um, or if they want to take it a step further, we have our Kaizen Adaptive Coach course that is on our website as well. And that basically is a, you know, it, it involves all the impairments and it also involves, you know, how to work with these athletes. It has, it comes with, 
you know, movement library so that you can look up different movements and how you can adapt for each of your athletes. Um, so that's just a, a plethora of things that they can learn from. Um, and that's self-paced all online. Um, and then also if, you know, they're an athlete that wants programming, you know, they can contact me through the website as well. And I can give them at home programming, depending on if they have equipment or no equipment, um, and then kind of walk them through that as well. Um, so our website is a great avenue for people to find us as well as social media, Facebook and Instagram, Kaizen Adaptive Training. Oh, that's, that's great. No, thank you so much for that. And uh, for those that haven't, well, they won't have seen it yet, but I was hot off the press in seeing uh, that your TEDx talk that uh, went live yesterday. And so we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. It gives people a great insight into what it is you're doing and getting that message out there far and wide is, is fantastic. So thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Is there anything else you'd like to signpost people to before we wrap up? Um, you know, I, I want to leave everyone with, uh, no matter, you know, what you're going through, any, any injury, whether it's acute or long-term, we have answers for you. We have ways that you can move. We have ways that you can, you know, whether that's getting out of that dark mental place, or if you're just looking to expand your horizon with working out again, with your fitness, with uh, your health, your wellness, we would love to help get you back on track. We know that that road is very hard, especially if you're alone and you don't have a great support system. So please be sure to reach out to us. We would love to help you. No, that's fantastic. Thank you so much and take care and good luck with the rest of your pregnancy as well. How exciting. Uh, thank you. <laughs> All the best. Cheers then. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Jack, the Rheumatology Physiac. My mission is to translate the complex world of rheumatology into the complex world of musculoskeletal practice. Over the last six years, I've created various resources, books, webinars, and courses to help MSK clinicians understand and recognize inflammatory conditions that arrive in their clinic. Head to my website, rheumatology.physio, for access.